The best and brightest physicians choose to work at Boston Medical Center. And now it's time to hear what they're saying. This is Boston Med Talks. Here's Melanie Cole. If you suffer from foot pain, you know it can be extremely debilitating and severely limit your daily activities. My guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Habershaw. He's the chief in the Division of Podiatric Surgery at Boston Medical Center. Welcome to the show. Dr. Habershaw, what are some of the most common causes of foot pain that you see every day? Well, um, it's nice to uh, be talking to you, Melanie. It's a pleasure for me to talk about this. Um, uh, foot pain um, in the in the working population and people that are very active usually has to do with overuse type injuries. And that uh, is accentuated by uh, mechanical deficiencies and deformities that might occur during the course uh, of the lifetime. So there are some people that you know that never have foot pain. They get through their whole life and they do well. Well, they've had a balance of everything. They've had a, had a balance of good mechanics, uh, good habits, good nutrition, weight control, all of these things that eventually are pinpointed down to our foot. And if, you, if you're lucky enough to be born with good genes and you take care of yourself very well, you can keep uh, foot pain to a minimum. So what do you see? I mean, do you mostly see people with arch problems, plantar fasciitis, bunions, all of the above, and overuse, obviously? What, what are some of the most common causes of these things? If it's shoes, or you mentioned biomechanics, sure. what are we doing to ourselves? Sure. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say shoes because um, if um, if sh- if foot pain was caused by shoes, how do we explain no pain in, in patients that have worn shoes their whole life? So we do have patients that come in for other problems and they've never had any foot pain. So the most common cause of foot pain is imbalance. Now, the easy way to understand this is the is the foot as a seesaw. Everybody knows what a seesaw is. If you were a kid like me, you love to play on them. One kid on one end, one kid on the other end. And it goes back and forth. It goes down one end, then it goes back down against the other end. A foot that is imbalanced is either hanging to one side or the other side. It's either flat or it's got a high arch on the other side. The best foot is the one that hangs right in the middle during the, during the most active and forceful motions of gait when you're walking. So if you're walking and your foot hangs into pronation or flattening of the foot, it puts tremendous strain on the midfoot, the tendons, and the, the forepart of the foot, and that's what can develop deformities such as bunions and hammer toes. If your foot hangs on the other side of the seesaw and you have a very high arched foot, you don't absorb friction. Friction is constantly um, taken by the foot and transmitted up the body into other structures such as the knee, the hip, and the low back. Um, so it's this balance that's important to maintain. Well, that's something you really learn looking at people and the way that their gait is and the way that they walk, that based on that base of support, which is their feet, they can, you know, come up with all kinds of other issues in the knee, in the hips, in their low back. It works its way up the body. So let's start with some of the more common, like plantar fasciitis. Pretty common, very painful. What do people do about it? It's not just common. It's an epidemic. I mean, um, if I see four or five new patients a day, two of them will have plantar fasciitis. It's really quite common. And the reason it, 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 it's a problem is because it's a, it's a slow detachment of a very powerful structure, the plantar fascia. The plantar fascia is like the string on a bow. Everybody knows the foot has an arch in it. Well, that's the bow, and the plantar fascia is the string on this bow. And the weakest 
attachment point of the plantar fascia is into the inferior surface of the heel bone. And when it begins to slowly pull away from the heel bone, it causes chronic inflammation of the soft tissues in this area. Sometimes a bone spur develops. You can see it on x-ray. But all that does is confirm the diagnosis. Bone spurs themselves don't hurt. It's the soft tissue attachment around this uh, attachment into the heel that causes all of the pain. So what do we do about it? I mean, people see these orthotics, they see things at Walgreens, and you go into a running shoe store, and they've got all kinds of, you know, off-the-shelf orthotics. What can help, whether it's a cushion or something to lift up and support your arch? What do you do for it? Exactly. So, I mean, the treatment for uh, plantar fasciitis um, is, uh, it's, it's multifactorial. There's lots of things to do. First thing to do is to put ice on it. Whenever you have an opportunity and you sit down at the end of the day, put a sock on your foot and put an ice pack on it. You know you need ice when that hurts like crazy when you first get up in the morning. It hurts that in the morning because as you're off your foot, that whole area swells. And then when you step on it, it stretches those nerves that have been free from weight-bearing all night. And people can go through the roof. They limp the way to the bathroom. They limp while they're getting dressed. And then after they've been on it for a while, they feel a little better. If that's the case, and even sitting down to have lunch, when you get up, you might feel pain in the heel. You know you still need ice. The second thing to do is to stretch the Achilles tendon. If you look at the, the, the tendons and how they attach to the foot, the Achilles tendon surrounds the back of the heel, and then those fibers, a lot of those fibers, take off as the plantar fascia. So it's like a contiguous structure, the plantar fascia and the heel cord. So stretching the Achilles tendon is important. I like to have patients do it passively when they're sitting. They put a towel over their toes and pull the towel till it hurts, hold it for a minute, relax 30 seconds, and do that five times. The next thing to do is to get a good supportive orthotic. The best ones to get are in sporting goods stores. There's many different types that are available. You just have to go into a sporting goods store that caters to runners and walkers and say, what's a nice firm orthotic that I can get for my shoe? And they have multiple different types. I don't have any particular favorite type. It's a, it's a, it, you can't get them in the drugstore. They're too soft and they're not supportive. So that's the next thing to do. The, uh, uh, the, the, next, thing to, the next thing to do is to um, uh, wear a shoe that has an elevated heel. Uh, with girls, it's easy. I mean, they just rummage around in their closet and they can find some kind of a wedge heel they've had in the past. And I have them wear it for two or three hours in the morning, maybe two or three hours in the afternoon. By elevating the heel... It takes the strain off the plantar fascia. Men, it's a little trickier. You can't tell a man to go wear high heels, but you can tell him to get a cowboy boot, which has an elevated heel, or you can tell him to get a logger's boot. These are guys that are working, which have an elevated heel. You see the guys on motorcycles wearing those logger's boots so their feet don't slip off the pedals on their motorcycle. And even a a, a clog, a men's clog, uh, that has an elevated heel can be very useful, especially for people that are in confined areas where they're standing in one place, like surgeons and cooks. You know, you're in a kitchen, you can wear these elevated heel shoes. Those are the most effective things right up front. When do some of these foot problems become surgical, Dr. Habershaw? Because, I mean, we could really talk for a very long time. There are so many foot issues. And that was a great little description that you just gave of ways to deal with plantar fasciitis. But when does it become something that you say, I got to go see a podiatrist, I may need surgery. When does that happen? Right. right. So 
uh, as long as we're on plantar fasciitis, plantar fasciitis becomes surgical when some, when all the treatments have been exhausted. If if the if the non-surgical treatments, some of which I just described to you, are not effective, then sometimes we put cortisone shots in these, um, and we will we may do up to three shots. Uh, um, uh, after that, um, if it's not effective, then I might send the patient for the radiology for an orthopedic ultrasound of the site because with their ultrasound machine, they have a color Doppler and they can determine exactly where the inflammation is. And sometimes they can put a more directed, exact cortisone shot into that area. And then um, when the problem becomes intractable, where you, where you have to say, I'm thinking of quitting my job because I can't stand the pain in the heel anymore, or it's just causing you to limp so much that you're starting to have knee pain, hip pain, low back pain, then surgical intervention becomes uh, an option. And you, you could argue that this might be true for things like deformities in the foot, bunions and hammer toes. Bunions and hammer toes can be lived with with appropriate shoeing from, for your life. I have numerous patients in their 90s that have had bunions and hammer toes their whole life, and they do fine because they were sensible about the shoes they wore. But the bunions and hammer toes that begin to affect the ability to function the way you need to and work and play, determine whether you should have surgery or not. And what do you think? You've mentioned the orthotics and you don't have a favorite. What is the difference between going to a podiatrist and getting a made orthotic that's a prescription versus one of these ones that you get at the store? Do you have a reason that we should do one over the other? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I tell people to start with a good over-the-counter one like you get in a sporting goods store because about... 30, 40% of these people will have a great result, and that'll be all that they need. And then if that doesn't work, maybe 50 or 60% of them will not do well, and then we can go on to a custom device. A custom device is more effective, but it's, uh, it, it can be several times more expensive. It could be up to $300 uh, for a pair of devices like that. We don't make them at Boston Medical Center, but we send you to a pedorthist uh, in many of the the labs around the around the city uh, where these are made. So uh, with, that's why I like to start. I never know when people are going to do good with the ones over the counter. So I like to start there. And if they don't do well, we send them uh, to get a custom one made. Wrap it up for us, Dr. Habershaw, with your best advice. And I certainly would love to have you on again because we could go over so many of these topics. Oh, yeah. But your best advice about the feet and taking good care of our feet and when we should see somebody if they're really causing disability. Well, I think this, uh, I, and when people are not having foot pain, we, we really forget about our feet because they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to get you from point A to point B comfortably without limping. Once we start limping, then you have to start paying attention to them. And I'm not, you know, if someone has some arch pain, I have nothing wrong with people going to the drugstore and getting a pair of, of arch supports. I think that's a reasonable thing to do. But when the pain is getting to the point where it's chronic uh, and it's slowly biting into your ability to comfortably get through your day without thinking about your feet, then you should get some professional advice. And I think that's the best time to do it. And then and then what we try to do is we try to do everything as conservatively as possible to get, get you the quickest recovery. Sometimes that requires some physical therapy. Sometimes it requires just different shoes that you need to wear. Sometimes it's just a matter of changing your shoes and socks once during the day because what we all forget is that shoes begin to lose their cushioning and support about half the day. 
and and you're more comfortable in your shoes for the rest of the day. Thank you so much. Really, really great advice, Dr. Habershaw. Thanks for being with us. This is Boston Med Talks with Boston Medical Center. For more information, you can go to bmc.org. That's bmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.